Hello and welcome to the Mythological Africans podcast, where we read and talk about stories from African mythology and folklore. I am your host, Helen Day. Abraha was an advisor in the court of her brother, Upokuware, who ruled the Ashanti Empire between 1720 and 1750. Their capital city, Kumasi, was attacked when Upoku was away, squashing a rebellion with his warriors. Instead of endangering innocent women and children, Abraha advised those left behind to run and hide. Evacuate the city immediately, she said. Once you have securely hidden away the golden stool and the symbols of the monarchy, take cover in the forest that surround the city. But leave behind the food, drink, and royal coffers where they are, because that's what they are really coming for. Abraha stayed behind with those who were too weak to evacuate. And as she predicted, the enemy forces raided the city, plundered the stores of food and drink, and emptied the coffers of the royal treasury. They also took Abraha and many others captive. But when they left, they were slow and sluggish, drunk with bellies full of food. And so when Opokuwari and his warriors returned to find the city pillaged, the palace in ruins, and Abraha gone, they set off in pursuit. They easily caught up with the drunken captors who were laughing loudly, congratulating themselves on the humiliation they thought they had just inflicted on the great monarch. The Ashanti warriors fell upon them mercilessly. They freed Abraha and took back the royal treasures. Hello again, friends. So the story we just read comes from Queen Poku, Concerto for a Sacrifice, by Veronique Tajo, who is a multi-talented Ivorian and French writer and artist. Concerto for a Sacrifice is a prose poem retelling and analysis of Abraha Poku's story, which won the Grand Prix Littéraire d'Afrique Noire, one of the most prestigious African literary prizes. Abraha Poku was an 18th century princess of the Ashanti who were found in Ghana, and she's also the founding mother of the Baoli who were found in Ivory Coast. Her story does not end with her victory over the invaders of Kumasi. It takes a rather tragic turn after she's forced to leave her homeland due to succession-related conflicts. Now, these conflicts arose after the death of Upokuware. Before he died, he named their half-brother Dakon as his successor. But Dakon was supplanted by an older male relative who had him assassinated. And so this made Abraha's son the next legitimate heir to the, the, the rulership of the Ashanti people because the Ashanti people have patrilineal um, inheritance. So fearing for her son's life, 
Abraha fled with some people who were loyal to her. But their escape is blocked by the Komoe River, which proves impossible to cross. And so the diviners consult the spirits and reveal that the river wants a sacrifice of a pure soul. And since nobody else wanted to make the sacrifice, Abraha offers a son and thus secures safe passage for her people. The people who survived the journey renamed themselves to Baole, which is to remember Abraha's tortured cry, Baole, which means the child is dead. What is great about Concerto for Sacrifice is that Dwerni Tajo offers alternate accounts of how the story ends. In one account, unable to live without her beloved son, Poku dives in behind him and together they you know, become river beings and they live on in the river. In another account, um, another retelling that she has in the book, the child is resurrected as a symbol of hope and freedom. The other cool thing about the book is that she draws parallels between Abrahapoku and Yenenga, who we talked about last week, from the nearby Dagomba and Mosi. Yenenga's escape from her father Nagbewa's kingdom also culminates in the founding of a new people, the Mosi, although this is through her son who um, returns and you know, is taken in by Nagbewa and eventually founds his own people with Nagbewa's blessing. So anyway, I'm a huge fan of Veronique Tadjo's work, and this book is quite possibly one of my favorites, so I very, very highly recommend it. This week, we were supposed to discuss uh, Kintu by Jennifer Makumbi, but the book arrived a bit too late for me to really read it and get an understanding of how folklore weaves through it. So maybe sometime later this year, we will revisit folklore in modern African literature again, and we'll get to talk about Kintu. In the meantime, thank you for listening as always, and I will see you next week.